the children's teacher, and I'm up here. <laughs> they are actually going to stay in here, and actually the two other children's ladies are not here either, so <laughs> we will just have the children in here. I don't have a very long um, message today, but I know that it's anointing, anointed, so I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Father God, for this message that you have given me today. I believe that this is the message you wanted me to share with these people, that it will reach them, it will touch their heart, that you will speak to them in some way, and that what you want done in this surface will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I said, pastors are gone. They call, Pastor Dan called me up on Tuesday and was like, hey, do you want to get up and preach? And I was like, sure, because, you know, I do like getting up here and sharing things with you guys and sharing what God has revealed to me through my life. And then he was like, this Sunday, and I'm, I'm still thinking next Sunday, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And then it dawned on me of, he said, this Sunday, and I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, this Sunday, and I'm like, no, you're there this Sunday, <laughs> and he's like, no, we want to leave early, we want to get on the road, will you please do this, and I, at first I was like, I don't know, I got, you know, things running through my head of, I, I don't have a lot of time to prepare when I've done messages in the past, I've had two or three weeks to prepare, and that's, that's nice to me that I feel that I'm fully ready, um, but, you know, he's sitting there saying, you know, if you don't feel like you can, that's okay, but we're going to have to do it, and we're going to have to stay. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I'll do it. And so I'm thinking it's okay because I have notebooks full at home of things that I've studied. And, you know, at the time I was studying them, I always thought this would be a great message. I want to share this with people so I'm like, oh, I got stuff. And I went home from work, and I started pulling out my notebooks and reading through them and stuff, and nothing was sitting right. It just did not feel right. So by then, if I'm being real, my my whole message today will be real, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> if I'm being real, I started freaking out. <laughs> and I'm like, I have nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, I don't take it lightly standing up here because it's not about what, you know, how I look or anything, but I really respect this position and I want to be used by God and to be ministering to you. I don't just want to be up here for the sake of I'm up here and look at me. And so I'm freaking out because I don't feel like I have anything and I, everything in me wanted to call Pastor Dan back and be like, I can't do this. No, I'm sorry. You got to stay. I can't do it. But I was like, I already said I would, and I just have to trust God on this. And so there was, I, I say I didn't have anything, but there was something rising up in me. And I'm sitting there kind of just pushing it back because I'm like, I, I don't know how to give that kind of message. I don't know. I don't know how you do that, and so I'm looking at other things going, well, I could do that, I could do this, and nothing was right, and so finally, I spent the rest of Tuesday hemming and hawing over this, 
So finally on Wednesday, I'm like, well, let's get in gear and let's listen to God and let's just do what he wants done. <laughs> and so we did that. And so this message today, I believe God wants someone in here, if not everyone, to hear because he wouldn't let me go with something else. He kept bringing this up, and I know it's what he wants said. So we're going to start out with a Bible scripture, because that's always a good place to start when you're doing a message. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 through 29. It's in the message translation, and most of my scriptures today will be in the message translation, just because I feel like it was really speaking of what I'm trying to say. So it says, Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He is actively cleansing house, torching all that needs to burn. And we won't quit until... Or, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. So if this scripture sounds familiar to some of you, it is the scripture that I gave a couple weeks ago when Pastor Scott was here. And I was talking about how important it is to put God first during praise and worship. We are entering into a place where we're supposed to have our sole focus on God, but a lot of times we don't. Everything is going through our mind, everything could be going through our minds but God. And we know, we know the words, we know when to raise our hands. So on the outside, it looks like we're really worshiping, we're really into it, but on the inside, we're not. And I've been guilty of this. Anything I share today, I've been guilty of it. So don't feel condemnation because I've been there. So I wanted to go back to this today. It was something that was still really burning in me. And it's funny because that day that I gave that short message before praise and worship and we were going home, I told Casey, uh, I'm like, man, there were some things that I wanted to bring up with that scripture that I just forgot. I'm like, oh, well, I believe God will give me the opportunity to bring it up again. I didn't know it was going to be two weeks later, but... He did. <laughs> so I just want to tell you some of the revelation I got out of this. I know I've only scratched the surface because it's still new to me. And then later I want to share a testimony that I trust will bring my whole message together because I kind of feel like it wanders here and there. But I, I feel that at the end it will tie it all together and that you guys will get something out of it. How many of you are believing God for something in your life? Good. So most everybody's hands have raised. If they haven't, then you should be believing God for something. I'm a firm believer that God has big plans and purpose for everybody's lives and that he wants to do great things. So you should look to your future with hope and excitement if God's leading your path. Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So if you weren't believing for God for something, that scripture right there should get you excited, should make you be like, yes, I should do this. 
because whatever I can believe God for, he has a higher thought, a higher abundant thing that he's going to do in my life. I can think of some great things that I want in my life, and knowing that God has something better, that's exciting right there. So, now are we all believing God for something? (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) So, like I said, I'm believing for God, or I'm believing things for God, too. And I think that this church has done a good job at teaching us how to stand in faith, how to confess the word, confess those answers to get the end results that we desire to see, how to praise God and stand when, you know, it doesn't look like it's coming to pass, but we're going to praise him and thank him until we see that end result. I also think that a lot of times Christians can get wrapped up so much in what they are believing for that they start to lose sight of God. And like I said, I am guilty of this. I will admit that there have been times that I am so focused on what I'm believing God for, what I want to see come out of my life, what I want him to do for me, that my relationship with him starts to change. And now all of a sudden it's about what God can do for me. And that's what I'm focusing on. Let's go back to Hebrews 12, verse 28 through 29. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He is actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until all is cleansed. God himself is fire. So I'm still believing God for those things that I'm believing him for, but I got to say, I think, especially recently, my priorities have started to change because the biggest thing I'm believing him for right now is to know him more and more for him to be more real in my life. And I would give everything else away just for him to be so real to me. And I don't care how long you've walked with God, I believe that God can still be more real with everybody. I believe that you can know him more, that we won't until that day that we go to heaven because he's so big, right? that we will always be getting revelation from him. We will always be just knowing him more. This scripture is really, you know, has been burning inside of me because it shows me where my relationship with God should be. My, my relationship with him should be focused on him, not what he can do for me, but who he is. He's the creator of the universe, Every star, every galaxy that the scientists so desperately try to see and understand, he created and knows them well. Every wonder on this earth, that's his masterpiece. People can paint beautiful pictures, they can sculpt beautiful sculptures, they can build amazing buildings and structures, they even invent technology that... 50 years ago would be mind-blowing. 
yet nothing man creates can compare to what God has created. About a few weeks ago, Casey and I took a trip to Yellowstone. It's been the first time I've been there for, I don't know, a long time, over 10 years probably. And as we're driving through, I am just marveling at the landscape. That's just something I've never really done before. But this trip, it was just so beautiful. Uh, One minute you're going up a mountain, there's trees and rocks and everything. And then the five minutes later, you can drop down into a valley of grass and just see for miles and miles, see the mountains behind it. Then you come around a corner and you see all this steam rising up from a hot springs or a geyser or paint pots and everything. It's beautiful. I just marveled at how drastic the scenery could change, but yet it's woven in together in such a short or a small area. I mean, Yellowstone's big, but it's not that big, you know. (laughs) That's God's creation, We could never, ever create anything like that. His love, oh, his love that is larger than anything. His love that conquered every sin. His love that conquered every curse. His love that conquered every evil doing. And yet he chose me to be his child. He chose me. He's my God. He's my king. When I sit and marvel at who God is, I'm in complete awe and amazement. I want to know him more. Suddenly, when I'm so focused on God like this, the good or the bad in my life, it just starts to fade away, and all I see is God. I want to know him more. He's my king. I want him to be more real in my life. That, that right there is what it means to be brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. That's how we should be with our God. Now, there is a part of this scripture that when I read it, it it was like a soccer punch in the soul. You ever have that? Some scriptures step on your toes. The other ones is like, oh, that hurt. And that... That is, for God is not an indifferent bystander. God wants every part of us, every part of our lives. He has great purpose and plans for us. He desires for us to be who he created us to be. He put us down here for a purpose. He didn't just throw us down here for nothing. He wants you to be who he wants you to be. But how many times do we treat God like an indifferent bystander in our lives? No, God, I got this. I don't need you. I, I have it. As I was saying when Pastor Scott was here, we go into praise and worship thinking about every other thing but God. We're not really worshiping him. Or as I just said a few minutes ago, When we are so focused on getting that thing that we want to come to pass in our lives, that we just focus on that, what God can do for us, not who he is. We want it so badly. We want it it now, right? But then we forget to remember who God is. 
And when we get to this point, he becomes an indifferent bystander in our lives. And when he's an indifferent bystander in our lives, he can't do anything for us. Not because he doesn't want to, but because we've put him off, we put him on the back burner. We're, you know, what, just as I said that, what am I saying? Me, me, me. What can I do? What am I doing? I want this. I want that. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's all about me, right? It's not about him. He cannot be that consuming fire, radically changing our lives and our circumstances if we just make him a bystander. Then we're like a hamster on a wheel, just running, running, getting nowhere. We're believing more. We're confessing more. We're, we're building our faith. We're going to make it stronger. We listen to messages that, oh, this is supposed to work, so I'm going to do this. Or, oh, that's supposed to work. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do everything that I know or I think or I hear of just to get what I want, but it's to no avail. Time goes by, and we start getting frustrated. Where is God? Why is this not working? Why is my faith not working? I feel like I've done everything that I know to do and more. What's happening? Why is my life going nowhere? Where's my answer? Proverbs 13, verse 12, out of the message says, Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick. This, this right here is why many Christians who once were devout, who once walked with God closely, who might have been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years, suddenly they'll walk away. They're done. They give up. Why? Because at some point in their lives, they made God an indifferent bystander. They probably didn't realize it. They didn't know they were doing that. And yet they did. And now they can't bear the unrelenting disappointment anymore. They forgot who God was. They just see that disappointment of things aren't coming to pass. Why aren't things coming to pass? So they give up. And they walk away. So... Here's my testimony today that I'm hoping that will show you guys what I'm trying to convey to you. As most of you know, Casey, my husband, a couple of years ago, maybe a little longer now, lost his job, and I didn't have a job at the time, so we had no income coming in, and I had the opportunity to go be a caterer at a restaurant, so I just took it because we needed income. Nothing was coming in, and I had to go do something. And so when I started this job, at day one, I knew this was a mistake. I do not want this job. This job is not for me. I'm not saying that it's not for other people, but it certainly wasn't for me. But that was okay. I was believing God, and it's going to be fine. God's going to get me out of here. I'm going to get a new job, and So I'm thanking God for my new job, and I'm praising him, and I'm confessing scriptures. You know, I'll long enjoy the work of my hands, and God's got this. It's fine. It's okay. We're all good. And time is going by, and nothing is happening. But the pressure and the stress is becoming more and more at this job, and the burden is getting bigger. Suddenly, I, I never really believed in 
anxiety or panic attacks before. I knew people got them, but I was one that thought it's mind over matter. If people want to control it, they can control it. Well, suddenly I'm under so much pressure, I'm getting anxiety and panic attacks through this job. My health, my health was going downhill. I was constantly, every single day, having headaches to the point of migraines. I couldn't go an hour without a headache. My stomach, I felt like I was getting an ulcer, and I knew what ulcers felt like because I've had one before. There were days that I would go two or three hours, or not two or three hours, two or three days without eating because I was so sick to my stomach. I was so stressed out. And then it didn't matter. I mean, this job it was very flexible on hours. So some days I'd work up to 15-hour days. Other days I'd only work three hours. But it didn't matter where, whether I worked a three-hour day or a 15-hour day. I just wanted to come home and sleep. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want anyone to bother me. I was just in a lot of depression And that really bothered me at the time because I was like, I'm a Christian. I know how to walk in victory. I know how to stand on faith. Why am I having these problems? So my health is going downhill. I'm having depression. And then, you know, I'd work those 15-hour days and people are like, well, at least you're making good money. That's always people's go-to comment when you have to work a 15-hour day, and they don't, but, yeah, (laughs) you're making good money, but it wasn't good money because my paychecks weren't even that big. Even with overtime, I could have a 100-hour plus on a paycheck, and it wasn't that great. In our money situation, it wasn't that great. It It kept going downhill. It wasn't getting any better, even though I was working overtime, right? So now... My health is going downhill. Finances are going downhill. And I am frustrated because one little part of my life is starting to affect my whole life now. And that's frustrating. I, all of a sudden, I'm under so much pressure and stress and everything that I'm a very mean person and I'm just being real. I'd go to work. I'd be yelling at people. I would be, (laughs) Mark, don't look at me like that. (laughs) But no, I would be yelling at people. I'd be snapping at people. I was never in a good mood and that bothered me. I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to walk in love. I'm supposed to show people the love of God And I'd go in to work with that mindset, but 20 minutes later, I'm in a bad mood. Everything is just going down, and I'm yelling at people, and I'm snapping at people, and, you know, I'm I'm annoyed. And then we're getting closer to summer, and I I know that most of you would be like, why didn't you just quit? A job's not worth it. And my husband told me that a lot of times, so I know <laughs> I know that thought. The problem was is I never felt like I had that release. I felt like it didn't I felt like it wasn't right to leave at that time. That is an unrelenting disappointment. 
when you don't feel like you have that release, but you're going through misery. Everything, like I said, is going downhill. And suddenly, I don't just hate my job. I hate my life, and I hate who I am. And there, every day, it was more of a struggle, more just... I hate everything that I was seriously to the point where I wanted life to end. I'm frustrated. I don't know why things aren't working for me. Like I said, one area of your life shouldn't consume the rest of your life, right? Now I'm thinking that a job should not make me feel this way, and yet it is. And I'm... Like I said, I'm at rock bottom at this point. Summer's coming up, and I know I need to get out of there, and it wasn't like I wasn't trying. I was putting in applications. I was trying to get a job anywhere, and, you know, Bozeman is full of jobs. People need employees, and businesses are even closing down because they don't have the workers, and yet I'm not getting a call. Nobody is giving me a shot. That's frustrating. That's unrelenting disappointment. Then, so I'm feeling that pressure. Summer's coming up, and summers are horrible because that's when all the weddings start and all the events are going, and that's your really busy time, and we were already busy, so I'm sitting here thinking, how, how am I going to get through this? Then my boss comes to me and goes, guess what? We're doing gay weddings this year. So now I'm being told that I have to go against my moral beliefs, something I am totally against. And I'm being told that I have to do it. I have no choice. Like I said, I'm at a point where I want to give up. I'm done. And I, I did. I wanted life to end. That's how bad I felt. One day, I finally turned to God. And like I said, I'm at rock bottom So I'm done confessing the word. I'm done standing in faith because I don't even know where my faith is at this point. I am just so low. I don't feel like I can say those confessions anymore and believe it. So I just turned to God one day and I'm like, God, I need you. I need you right now. I just need you. I'm not... I'm not even talking about a new job. I'm not even talking about changing my life. I need you because I feel like I'm not going to get through this day without you. I feel like I'm not going to get through another week without you. Just, just be here with me. Get me through this day. Get me through this hour. And that's what I started doing is just focusing on God, not what he was going to do for me, but just him. I need you, God. I don't need you to change everything right now. I just need you so I can get through the day. During this time, I took a great comfort in the book of Psalms. David wrote the book of Psalms, and if you know anything about David, he went through some pretty bad times in his life and struggles in his life. But if you read through the book of Psalms, in every chapter, David focuses on who God is. When he, he talks about his troubles and everything, but for the most part, it's who God is. In every chapter, he focuses on an attribute of God or a characteristic of God. And 
just writes about that, God's love, God's strength, God's ability. So that's what I started doing. Who are you, God? I want to know you more. Just, just give me something about you that I can focus on today, anything. And every day, I would just meditate on something about God, or just God. And as I started to do that, things started to change really rapidly in my life. So finally, I get a call back from Lowe's saying they want me to come in for a job interview. And I go in, and they're like, well, you know, there's six other people that want this position too, and we only have one opened. And I'm like, okay. My interview is about like 10 or 15 minutes long, not even that long. And I walked out of there going, I did not get this job. (laughs) It didn't, I don't know. She asked me like four questions. I answered them, and we were done. And I'm like, great, I didn't get that job. (laughs) And so she told me that they would make their decision, you know, sometime later that day, I'd get a call between five and six. And I'm thinking, I didn't get that job. She called me at four o'clock saying, I got the job. (laughs) And so I'm like, yes, thank you, give me the job. (laughs) And once I got that job, it changed everything, all my health issues totally went away. I haven't had stomach problems, haven't had a headache since I quit the cafe and just happy. Everybody was happy there. I was happy because they were happy and we're all happy working. <laughs> I was told by one of the employees that I used to work with, I was telling her when I went to orientations that everybody seemed so happy there and she's like, Oh, that's just something they do. No one's that happy at a job. No one likes their job. You'll find out that everybody's as miserable as we are here, but that's not true. Everybody's happy, and that's nice. So the the depression's gone. No more anxiety, panic attacks. No more depression. The health problems are gone, and our finances started increasing. Even though I'm not working all those crazy overtime anymore, our finances are going up, whereas before they were going down. I want to share a scripture with you that I've been confessing over my life and Casey's life. He didn't know this, but now he does. (laughs) I've been confessing it over our lives for a long time, even before I had this bad job, and I think I've only now begun to get some revelation out of it. It's in Psalms. 16 verse 5, this is the New new Living Translation, because this is how I confess it over our lives. It says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. Do you see what I see in this verse? David's not saying, Lord, I've inherited financial blessings from you. I've inherited health from you. I've inherited, you know, freedom, whatever it is. No, he says, you, you alone are my inheritance. Don't you see? David did not have to add every blessing in there because God was his inheritance. God was enough, more than enough. The Lord was his inheritance. Lord, you are my inheritance. You alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. 
that puts all the focus on God, right? Not what God gives you, not what you want from God, but just God. You, you are my inheritance. Now, I'm getting close to wrapping up here, so I just want to put this statement in just so no one misunderstands me and I'm getting a call from Pastor Dan saying I've upsetted you. I'm not saying don't believe in God for things. You should believe in God for things and stand in your faith and confess those scriptures that will bring to pass the end results for your life. And like I said, I am too. But what I'm saying is do not let it consume you so much that you make God an indifferent bystander in your life because you will not see that fire come in and change your circumstances. That's what it was for me. I was so focused on what I wanted from God. I want a new job, or I just want the ultimate thing that I'm believing God for, not even a new job. I'm so focused in that that I made God an indifferent bystander in my life. Suddenly, my my I couldn't even say it's a relationship with God. My time spent with God was confessing the scriptures that I want to come to pass and oh I'm believing for this or that and stuff that I'm not even focusing on God but when I stopped and when I was like I don't need anything else I just need you that's when things started changing and if you're at that point in your life where you feel like you're at rock bottom that you're not sure where your faith is that you have confessions that you don't say anymore because you don't believe that that you believe in that anymore or you feel like you can't say that. Maybe you feel like you're walking away. Remember who God is. Just focus on God. Lord, you are my inheritance. Life is falling apart. Things are crashing down. I just want you, Lord. I need you. Be more real to me, and you'll see that everything else will start to fade away. So I'm going to end my message with another scripture because God ends my message better than I do most of the time. So it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 through 33. This is also in the message. It says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way that he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all of your everyday human concerns will be met. The Passion Translation says, So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and righteousness that proceeds from him then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. God is never going to fail you. He will never fail you. You, if you put him first in your life, if you are just focused on God and who God is, 
He's going to come down, and he's going to be that fire that goes around your life, changing things, lining them up correctly. And if you're so focused on him, you might not even know that it's happening until you look down and you're like, whoa, look, all these things have changed. Psalms 37 verse 4 in the Passion Translation says, Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. That right there. Focus on God. Just focus on him. Let him be the king of your life. He's going to change your life. I can promise that. He's going to set everything straight. Those desires are going to be met. Those desires are going to come to pass. But just put him first in your life. So that's all I had. So we're going to just bow our heads now and pray. I thank you, Father God, for this message. I just trust that everybody got something out of it.